May I be the first to say, great job, kids! <laughs> and leaders, and everyone who filled in for Heather Faust, our children's ministry director, who got COVID on the week of the Christmas children's program. Crazy, isn't it? She's doing okay. She's on the mend. Um, but I just want to say thank you to everybody who stepped up and did roles this week that you did not expect to do. And praise God. Uh, as was said earlier today, God loves children. He loves all of us. We're going to talk about those things today. Well, we heard a lot about the Christmas story today. We've been hearing about it all month leading up to Christmas is the Advent season. And along the way, as you're piecing together things that the Bible actually says about Christmas, you start to realize, wait a minute, there's a lot of error in our Christmas stories and traditions that need to be, that just don't sound right. Have you, has anybody noticed that? We heard about some of those today in relation to the, to the Magi. And uh, there's a lot of other things that we sing or see in, in movies about, and it just doesn't seem right. Uh, but that's just kind of what happens when you get your facts from uh, fanciful stories and songs. And um, probably the worst offender might be uh, Hallmark Christmas movies. I don't know, something like that. I don't know, maybe, maybe you love those. Um, ever since Coca-Cola uh, made St. Nicholas into a fat elf who lives in the North Pole, I mean... Uh, those kind of things happen. But it's fascinating how, how that on Christmas, on Christ Mass, here in Warsaw, Indiana, and I've got a picture here, here in Warsaw, Indiana, we're celebrating that God entered humanity in Bethlehem by focusing on a jolly old elf that lives in the North Pole. That's confusing, isn't it? Let's just get rid of the North Pole. Go ahead to the next slide. Hey, that's better. Uh, let's keep our focus on God, who became one of us to save humans uh, from our sins. In fact, be even better yet, let's go to the next slide, and that is let's worship Jesus as the king over all of it. Amen? Amen. That's what we mean when we say Merry Christmas. And as we open the word today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2. And if you want a bulletin, it's got some sermon notes in it, raise your hand. Aaron's got uh, those coming around. I see some hands raised. He'll put a, a pen and, and the sermon notes and a bulletin in your hands. Otherwise, open your Bibles, turn on your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to look at the scriptures for a short time together this morning as we continue our journey in the book of Matthew, Matthew's account of the birth and the life and the person and works, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and current ministry of our Lord and Savior Jesus, the man who was God, who came. We've been talking about Advent. We lit the Advent candles each week. We get closer to the white candle, the, the Christ candle. Remember the first candle was the prophecy candle. For centuries and centuries, the Messiah was promised and prophesied in great detail. The second candle is the Bethlehem candle. It's getting real now. We've got an actual place. Jesus came as a real human in a real place. The third candle is the shepherd candle, the joy candle. Now, if we were going through the book of Luke, chapter 2, We'd read all about the shepherds, but we're going through the book of Matthew, and we read about a different group of people, but just to mention that Luke chapter 2 is talk about the shepherds. In the shepherds, we see something very important about Christmas, very important about King Jesus, and that is that shepherds were the lowliest and least respected. They were considered dirty and unclean, um, very, very poor, and the point about the shepherds is that Jesus is the king of everyone, everyone. Well, today's group of people from Matthew chapter 2 
teaches us the same point, that Jesus is the king for everyone. But it's on the other end of everyone. Today we have the magi, the wise men, who were wealthy and powerful and well-educated and well-respected. The magi from Matthew chapter 2 teach us that Jesus is the king of everyone. Now, at least the shepherds were Jews, right? That's God's chosen nation of of old, the Israelites. Uh, So at least they were Jews. They were part of God's chosen people. Well, the Magi teach us that, no, Jesus is the king for everyone. They came from hundreds of miles in, in the east, totally Gentile pagans. But they prove the same thing. So as we look at Matthew 2, we're going to see in the story of the Magi, we're going to see that life-saving worship of God is for everyone through King Jesus. And worship is a matter of the heart. And if you're looking at your notes, you see the word hearts in all three points. We see the human heart who will adore King Jesus, who will worship him, give him the worship that he deserves. We see the human heart in three different views this morning. So as we look at the text, we see the first one is God draws, God draws the hearts of nations to King Jesus. Let's see what, how he drew these mysterious people from the east, a totally pagan Gentile nation from far away. And the story proclaims Jesus is God and King of all nations, all people groups, all peoples of the world, not just people who look like you and me, not just people who act like you and me, all people of the world. Verses 1 and 2, please follow along with me. Here's how the story continues. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east, these mysterious people came to Jerusalem. And they arrived saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. What's going on here? Who, who are these guys out of, out of the blue? And they kind of, that's what Herod was thinking too, King Herod. He was the king. Uh, who are the Magi? They're, they're from the east. The Bible doesn't say exactly where. Maybe they're from Persia or maybe they're of the Medes, from Babylon maybe. But we do know that this group of people are well-educated in philosophy and math, science, medicine. And they were wealthy and influential. They were astrologers, which when we think of astrology today, we think of magical arts. And there could have been some of that involved in there. But they study the stars nonetheless as part of their science. And here we find experts of the stars who are searching for the God of the stars. And they're searching. And God has drawn them in graciously, miraculously. He's revealed himself to these people. And where they can find him. And so they come and they seek him and they seek salvation from him and to worship this king of the universe of all kings. So the Magi represent all of the non-Jewish world. That's us, people still today. I'm not a Jew. Most of you are not. Maybe some of you are. But Jesus is the king of every nation and every social class, every culture, every skin tone, everybody, including us, and anybody that we'll ever meet 
And as God reveals himself to all peoples, and he's teaching us over and over that he draws people to himself and his mission, his life was given as a ransom for all people, still many hearts remain hard and reject Jesus. And that's exactly what we see next as the story continues. We see some hard hearts rejecting King Jesus. Let's look. The second view of human hearts. Proud hearts reject King Jesus. The Magi are these people from far away, but they've opened their hearts. They've opened their hearts wide to Jesus. But we now see proud hearts close themselves to King Jesus. Herod, the king in Israel, wants to kill Jesus, and the religious leaders all around him take him for granted. Their hearts are hard. Let's read how both of these groups are rejecting Jesus. Verses 3 through 8. When Herod the king heard this, that <laughs> we have these influential people that want to worship this king, uh-uh, he, was, he is troubled. And all Jerusalem with him, all the leaders in Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, just imagine the scene. He inquired them, okay, they, they know the Old Testament scriptures, they know the prophecies, so he asked them, where is the Christ, the Messiah, to be born? And of course they know the answer because they know the prophets. They said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So now Herod knows. He's putting these things together. Let's look at verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them, hey, what time did the star appear to you? And they told him it had been about a year. That's another error in our Christmas traditions. Virtually all of our nativity sets have uh, wise men right there worshiping the infant, brand newborn Jesus. And of course, you might know that that's entirely not correct. The wise men didn't show up for several months later after their journey. It's estimated Jesus was about one year old, up to maybe two. Well, that's what Herod figures, and he leaves a little fudge room when he gets to the two-year-olds. But before we get there, I have a daughter, Lizzie, and she's got a personally personalized card-making business, and she's picked up on this. Uh, and this is one of her designs for this year's Christmas cards. And uh, you'll see on the outside of the card, she's got the shepherds worshiping baby Jesus. That's correct. But on the inside of the card, she's got the wise men bringing their gifts, the magi, to a house where Jesus is more like a toddler, uh, kind of maybe even running around a little bit. That's correct. So Herod secretly asked the people how, about how old this baby would be. The answer is about one year old, give or take, which, come, which is key as the story continues. And then he comes back to everybody, and, and we see in verse 8, and he sent them to Bethlehem. He said, okay, wise men, go and search diligently for the, for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so I too may come and worship him. Well, you see right through that, don't we? He wants to kill him king? He, I'm king. 
No one else can be king. We got people coming for miles around to worship this other guy? Uh-uh. King Herod was troubled by this news. Why? Because it threatened his control over his kingdom. And he didn't want that. His heart was hard. He was, the own, he, he was his own God. In his mind and heart, King Jesus is a threat. I want to invite you to come back next week as we talk a whole lot more about Jesus, the dreaded king. But for now, Herod gathers the religious leaders and they correctly identify this baby very well could be the Messiah. And that's amazing, but they don't care. They just send the Magi on their way and they don't bother to come and look because Jesus is just a harmless baby. What could he do? Well, guess what? That baby grows up. That baby grows up. Friends, please see what's going on here. Everyone who humbles our hearts can see and know and receive King Jesus as your own King and with it eternal life, freedom from everything that binds you, forgiveness for all your sins, a full, clean slate. But all those who harden their hearts to King Jesus continue to be his enemy. And that's not where you want to be, to live in bondage to sin and worse, under God's eternal righteous judgment. Don't remain in your hard heart. Be like the Magi, not like King Herod and his group. Give Jesus your heart and truly live. So we have God draws hearts of all peoples. We have some people have proud hearts that reject Jesus. Nope, that's not for me. That's not for me. Don't be like that. But we see next, we see the third view from the human heart, and that is that humble hearts receive King Jesus and worship him as he's due. The Magi, they sought God and they pursued Jesus and they couldn't wait to meet him. In verses 9 to 12, the, the last few verses of our text today, read with me. And we'll see how this concludes with the Magi coming to Christ. Okay, after listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. So God's still leading them right to Jesus. Here's a, here's a map of today. Down at the bottom you have Jerusalem. And up at the top you see Bethlehem. This is their last journey. This is about a six-mile walk. So they had come hundreds of miles to, to Jerusalem, thinking surely the king's going to be there, but no, they got directed six more miles, a short walk now compared to the hundreds of miles that they'd come. And they're on their way. Let's look at what happens, verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. It's like, wow, God is, is, is still leading us to, to him, to this king. And going into the house, not the barn, not the cave, they're past that, they have a house now, Going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and what was the response? They knew this was the king of the universe. They knew it because God had drawn them there. They fell down and worshiped him. I have fallen down in humility and worship to God. Have you? These men didn't need anything humanly, physically. They were wealthy. They were educated. God had drawn their hearts, though. They just met God. 
and they fell down and worshiped him. I pray that that's everybody here's response to King Jesus, always. Maybe it'll be the first time today, and that would be great. Well, let's continue. After they fell down and worshiped him, then they opened their treasures. They, they were wealthy. They were influential. They were coming to worship the king of kings, and so they brought him gifts suited for a king. They offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in, in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. And that, that ends our text today, but let's just see what's going on here. They, they brought gifts fit for a king. The kids earlier today read the descriptions of the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It seems like kind of funny uh, gifts for a kid, for a, for a one-year-old. I, I love the, the lyric in the song, A child, a child shivers in the cold, let us bring him silver and gold, right? Have you ever thought about that? It's like, a child is shivering in the cold. Let us bring him cold medals. It's not what the baby wants. It's not what the toddler wants. Give him a blanket, you know. Give him some warm milk. Okay, so there is great meaning in these gifts. The gold, the frankincense, the myrrh. The kids read it this morning. The gold represents, he's, they know that he is the king. He is the king. The frankincense, he is the high priest. And the myrrh, he will be killed for our sins. It's a burial spice, a wealthy one. Now, this is very practical for the family, as we'll see next week what they do from here. They have to flee to Egypt. The money from those expensive gifts that had so, so much symbolic meaning. Oh, just Matthew, through the Holy Spirit, knows what he's doing here. And if we had more time, we could really dive into those gifts and, and the amazing uh, things that, that God is teaching us through his word through all of this today. But we've already discussed the magnificent meaning of each part of the Christmas story, and, and we see more of it today with, through the Magi, through their gifts, through their humble response. And here's the key question. Here's the key question. And as we've celebrated Jesus, and you consider who Jesus is, my question to you is, will you believe and worship Jesus above everything else? Above everything else. Idolatry is so thick. We put so many things ahead of God, things to get comfort from, things to trust in, relationships and pursuits and things and video games and just all kinds of things we put way ahead of God as, pri as pri our priority, our, our central object of worship. Listen, the nations are coming to Christ. The nations are coming to Christ all over the world right now, peoples from all over the world. They are believing in King Jesus and they are living they're submitting to God and following his direction. They're bowing down to him, making his Lord, and Jesus lifts them up like he will you today as well when he's your priority. When you give him the treasure of your life, he'll lift you up. Are you experiencing that today with King Jesus? I hope so. You certainly can. There's a reason that the whole world is, is more open to Jesus around Christmas time because uh, there's a truth here. And we know that. Our souls know that Jesus is king. So God is inviting you today to come and receive Jesus as king. It will totally change your life and your, your eternity as well. And I pray that you come to him. Let's close. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to enjoy a video from our children and some classic Christmas songs. And I just pray that, listen to this prayer. Pray along with me. See if this is the day you need to give Christ the king your life entirely today 
See if you just need, if you already have Jesus as your king and you just need to confess and recommit your life to him as your God, Lord, Savior, King. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that everybody in this room, including myself, is overwhelmed like the Magi were, falling down and worshiping you, the only one who deserves that. I pray that if anyone came in today with a hard heart, that they, like the Magi, will soften it and open it wide open through your Holy Spirit to, to Jesus, that they'll believe him and receive him today. I pray against hard hearts, whether it's like the King Herod and we just <clears throat> are so angry against God, or, or whether we're just like the others that are indifferent and take him for granted. God, I pray that we have heart, uh, open hearts, not hard hearts today. And I pray, Lord, that you'll give this church a real passion to be culturally rich in the way we reach out to the world. And we thank you for Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.